Hello, I'm Andrew Fuller. I'm the chairperson of Generation Next. And in this series of podcasts, I'm delighted to present to you and talk with people who have a, a great expertise in promoting mental health and young people in a variety of ways. And today, really fortunate to talk with Katrina McFerrin, who is the Associate Dean at the VCA, the Victorian College of the Arts, and also is the Associate Director of the Melbourne Conservatorium. But even more important than that is a, a really attuned harmonic music therapist. So <laughs> let's let's go into the, the, the dark, dark world of teenagers and music. And we're gonna talk a bit about what that's about how we can help them to promote their well-being, what we know from perhaps some of the research in terms of the effects of this, and then some practical ways to use this in your work. So Katrina, welcome. It's great to have Thank you me. with us. Uh, the first question I'd like to comment you to comment on is despite a whole long history of adult fears about teenagers picking up negative messages from music. I don't see as a result of rap music an up curve in teenagers having sex with their mothers. <laughs> and that's a good thing. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, this has been a huge research interest of mine, Andrew, where I have on multiple occasions tried to explain to concerned and fearful adults that the type of music that their child, their client, their patient, whoever it is they're concerned about is listening to is doing damage. And this has been, you know, a major issue for adults since Elvis moved his pelvis, since um, metal music became all the rage and then it was the fear of the inherent violence in that kind of music and of course most recently rap music is the one that cops it um, and it's true to say that all of those types of music are provocative you know they are they are if not intentionally designed they embody a sense of force of power deep, strong energy which pushes back against the restraints of society. And I think we can see that most clearly in rap music at the moment, recognising the social movements that are happening in the USA and how music is a reflection of, of tensions. Same with metal music, same with Elvis, same with anybody else we might think of. So it's not to say that they, they're not powerful forms of music, but the idea that people are passive consumers who will be therefore led to behave in certain ways because of the music is where the flaw in logic occurs. Because if that were the case, honestly, I would be going around with love music and I would be making everybody loving. Like, and there would be no violence in the world and it would be a gorgeous place. If music could be that powerful, we would have leapt on it, honestly. It's not. It's definitely just, it's, it doesn't heal the brain. It doesn't, it doesn't break your heart, but it does give you a moment of connecting to things. Music's power is quite temporary. So there was a lot of, you know, issues in the States where, I mean, this is ongoing, but where kids were going into high schools with guns and, and horrendous things were happening. And sometimes those kids had worked themselves up with music, for example. So they'd had headphones on before they went out or even in, in the moment. And so music can accompany 
powerful, intense experiences, just like you can go with it on a jog, just like it's really good if you're trying to study and keep this noise of your parents yelling down. You know, music is, is really is helpful, but it, it's not causative. I guess that's the point. Metal music doesn't make you violent. Mm. So teenagers are powerfully, well, we all are, but um, almost all of us anyway, uh, but teenagers especially seem to spend a lot of time listening to music and getting a lot from it. What do you think it is behind the scenes that they're getting from it? Yeah, look, music is activating, isn't it? So we tend to talk about three aspects. One is identity work. Another is connectedness to peers and to others with similar views. And the other one is emotional work. So the ability to see and hear one's emotions being explored and expressed by another person. So I'm talking really about music listening here. Um, but, it, you know, you can apply all of these things to music making as well. But the identity work, like the kind of music you love and what you're listening to, what your kids are listening to when they're having a shower and playing their music really loud to get over the top of the shower noise. It's like, whoa, okay, so that's what's going on. I see. Um, so there's there's a lot of expression of, of who we are, how we feel, and who we're connected to in our music. They're, they're the kind of big three that we often think about. And, you know, what's more important than those things when you're a teenager? or at any moment in your life where things are going on, when, when you're alive for good or bad reasons, music is, is there with you to accompany you through and help you redefine who you are endlessly. And I suppose the highest level really of stress management is tend, mend and befriend or sync and link where we kind of harmonise with other people. And I wonder, I think probably music allows us to do that when we're not with other people that we can harmonise with. We're harmonising with a particular piece of music and humming along or singing along or sometimes dancing along as well. And so that link then sometimes soothes us, although it can soothe and energise at the same time, can't it? Mm -hmm. yeah. I know, isn't that the complexity of it? It's, and this is what I love about music. It's rarely just one thing. And I'm sure there's other things which are just as interesting that I just don't take much notice of. But music seems uniquely available to us to activate both emotions and connections, both inspire us to explain ourselves with words and also be completely different to words in the ways that we're able to express ourselves. Like the affordances are enormous when it comes to music. And so it, it is one of those things that, you know, neurologically they say that you can see the connections between people in, the, in their brain responses, you know, and there's all kinds of evidence that we have of how when we connect with music, when people play drums together, you know, when you're literally playing in time with another person or, you know, in the case of Hitler and war and whatever, marching in time, you know, that's bonding the troops right there. Mm. And, and they may go off and, and commit horrendous acts in, in that bonding, uh, which I certainly don't endorse, but the, the connection is made through that. You know, it's ceremony and it's pomp and it's hierarchy, but it's also boom, boom, here we are, we're together. Here we go, here we go, here we go. And that's where chanting and really fundamental forms of music have always been a way of expressing power, emotions. I mean, think of the haka, you know, mm -hmm. at the beginning of a rugby game. Oh, you know, and that, again, it's like if, if music wasn't holding that together, it would still be there 
you know, it's still an, it's still a form of expression, but it's the music that holds it together. It's the, and, you know, you can't separate dance and music very easily uh, once you start thinking about it, but it's the enactment of rhythm together with others, which, yeah, as you say, is super powerful. I guess that victorious, we sing the song at the end of a sporting competition if we've won, you know, that kind of, that's a, exactly. a great example. So, yeah. so when teenagers, I mean, we all have them, we all have bad days, we have days where things don't go our way and we feel like the best thing we can do is probably go to bed and hope tomorrow's better. Um, using music on bad days for teenagers, I think is a very powerful thing. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that, Andrew. It's, it's um, music is often described by the teenagers I work with as their best friend, as their confidant, as their vitamin pill. You know, music is attributed these really powerful um, roles in young people's lives. And but as I said, music isn't all that powerful. So it's similar to people sort of blaming music for stuff. This this extreme kind of dependence on music is also just can be a little problematic. Usually it's fine. If, if life's good, then, you know, music is not going to do you any harm. Um, but if you're struggling and you kind of rely on music as though it will fix you. So, you know, that repeated listening to music where you've just got this one song, oh. classically the breakup song. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The song that you got married to and then divorced from. And, you know, all of a sudden, that very song had two different roles in your life, depending what decade you're talking to, right? Just to illustrate how it can help. It's not the music itself, but it is powerful. And so if you have a triggering song or if you have a ruminating song, a song that you listen to which just repeats and repeats, you know, because music, every time you listen to the same song, it's, it's reliable, but it's also repetitive. So when kids say to me, oh, music's like a counsellor, I'm like, that's a really crap counsellor. You know, people shouldn't just say the same things over and over. Week, life changes week to week. It, it's not, you're not looking for the same feedback all the time. A good friend would call you out. A good friend would say, that's enough. You're just going around in circles here. Come on, try something different. So it's it's that the danger of music is not what it does to young people, but if people are being ruminative in particular, if they're going around and around in circles in their head and they're listening to the same piece of music, at a certain point that can start to be quite profoundly reinforcing at the moment where you actually want to be pulling people out from that, you know, um, easier said than done but music uh, can can go from being best friend understands me yay thank god somebody does to wow how many times am I going to do this and hope I'm going to feel better on the other side so that, that that's just the difference that the assumption that music will always work when it can you know it can make you behave badly it can make you behave well because really in the end it's up to you it's your agency and it's how you're using the music so yeah just be careful of the dependence it's like a drug you know it's just you don't want to get dependent on it yeah so let's talk about constructing playlists and using them to shift our feelings mm. so the big thing with playlist construction is that i think they should be a journey i reckon that you know when you the easiest thing to do with kids because they love their music is just kind of go all right let's create a playlist 
And instead of being a static playlist, which most of us would create, which is like favourite songs or dance music or jogging tracks or whatever it is, uh, a music therapy principle called the ISO principle is that you start where people are at. So you start with, let's say you're feeling really down. So you start with that piece of music that just resonates with your down. And then you go, okay, what do I need to listen to next? Like if I'm actually wanting to feel better, by the end of this playlist what's the next track so then it's the song that's just got a little bit more optimism in it optimism might be a couple of tracks away but a little bit less black let's yeah. say so where, where does it go from there and then what do I what do I listen to after that so instead of just going around it's a journey and ultimately you're getting to a track which is all right I could get out of bed or you know and if you if you create these things beforehand you can actually continue to use your, which may have become associated with quite a lot of rumination and whatever it is that you're using it for, but you can start there. The, the idea is that that's not bad. It's just don't end there as well. If, if what you need is to change your mood, music can be really a powerful support for that. And if it's just, if it's set to roll, It'll take you through. You don't have to think about it in that moment. You can do it sometime with your therapist, with your teacher, with somebody who's going to help you pick these tracks and listen to them with you. The pleasure of creating playlists with people is enormous. Um, but then it's sitting there ready to go. I'm showing my age here, but I, I can't help but think about the days when if you really like somebody, you'd make a cassette tape. Yeah, a mixtape. A, a cassette, a mixtape of the kind of your great songs and you'd give it to them and hopefully they'd harmonise with it or, or go, it was crap and they hate you. Um, and it was such a big moment. Right? And so I think that we learn a lot about love. I mean, obviously romantic love, especially through music and through the sharing of music. And I think it's quite oh, a wonderful thing. It's so intimate, isn't it? Like, and, But you can hear the intentionality behind that too. It's not that those songs uh, embody love. It's the time and care that's taken in selecting them, putting them together with that person in mind, and then the gifting of it. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful. What a gesture. <laughs> what an incredible gesture, especially in the old days when we're sitting by the radio with record and play and don't forget to hit both and and then the commentator doesn't give it quick enough and you miss the song that you've been sitting there for two hours waiting for <laughs> you know i love the internet i love the access we have to music now but it doesn't take away from that that gorgeousness of that intention and i think that's the power of music that with intention it can be used so well so badly it, it's it's got that power but it requires young people's agency to activate it because it's not just the tracks themselves and I think we're pretty lazy and we think it's all in the music and oh yeah I'll just put that on and it'll do it mm. the intention of putting it on is where the agency occurred it's like I'm going to listen to that I'm not just going to play random I'm not just going to listen on repeat I'm going to choose the song Sometimes when I work with families that are not communicating well, one of the things I ask them to do is to have the ideal concert using YouTube. And so each family member in turn gets to select a song or a, an artist and they watch that YouTube clip and then it moves on. And it's a fantastically unifying, I mean, sometimes people raise their eyebrows and kind of go, why is selecting that song? Um, but even that's still useful as a sort of way of 
creating a conversation in a family. It's a really fascinating idea. That's a stunning process. Yeah, I really love it because then everybody is witnessed and expressed and there's that engagement in a dialogue around it as well because you, you need to do some meaning-making uh, to make sense of that. But, yeah, that's just a beautiful process. So, in a way, the effect of music is built from within, isn't it? And, however, it doesn't end there. It ripples out, you know, in the way that we present ourselves to the world and then often how we connect to other people and then how we see ourselves in that connection. So while mm. it's not directly causative, it's still got an incredible resonance in terms of our lives. It does. And that's the difference, right? It's it's the, the posh words from sociology are appropriating the affordances. And it's really hard to think of a better way of saying it. it's the way that we use music that's powerful, like the power, but the power is there. Yeah. It's definitely powerful. Yeah. Any uh, further thoughts that you'd like to share with our, our wonderful listeners who will be really intrigued about just how they might incorporate this type of work into creating better outcomes for the kids that they work with, the teens that they work with particularly? Yeah, look, we've used things like the mixtape uh, phenomenon as a, as a curricular tool, like going in and getting kids to create a mixtape of how I'm feeling today or, you know, whatever theme you think they need to work through. And they love it so much. And just making them think about it rather than it being an unconscious, unintentional process, just bringing their attention to conscious choice making is a really powerful strategy. And it particularly matters when people are unhappy so it, it really when people are unhappy they tend to fall into patterns of using and music is one of the things that they can use to try to distract to try to feel better to try to self-soothe and unfortunately it's less effective because you might be using it in ways that are reinforcing negativity rather than positivity i did this ted talk uh, which is coming back from the dark side with music and it was really again trying to explain that you can use music to take you into the darkness and sometimes you want to do that but if you're going to do that you also want to know how to get yourself out again so how do you use music to bring you back as well that would be you know the intentionality of using music would be my real message thank you so much for your time today it's been absolutely delightful to to talk about this really important topic, I think. And I want to sort of honour the work that you do, Katrina. I think it's so important for, for us in being thoughtful about our work with the young people that we try to help. So thank you. Thank you. Sounds like you're doing a great job too. Thanks for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you would like to follow up in further detail, please listen in to some of the other podcasts that we have made, which are available through the Generation Next website. There are also a series of books uh, from Generation Next in terms of nurturing young minds, uh, covering a series of issues to do with young people, and also in my own book, Tricky Behaviours and Your Best Life at Any Age, which are both available either on Amazon or through Bad Apple Press. Thank you so much, and I uh, hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you. The Mental Health and Wellbeing of Young People seminar has gone digital. This is a resource for anyone who supports young people. The eLearning Hub has all your favourite speakers from the Generation Next events and much more.
there are hours and hours of courses to choose from. We know life's busy, so we made sure you can pause the courses at any stage and continue where you left off the next time you log in. You can also automatically download your certificates of participation and record your notes and ideas with the documentation tool and editable course books. If you would like to try it out, head to generationnext.com.au and sign up yourself and your whole team for the next free course. And please, share the resource far and wide. Thank you for your support for Generation Next and all you do to support young people.